At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, let's say there is a 4 four to 5% inflation rate for the next 5 to 10 years. And what that means is that the average Canadian savings are going to be cut in terms of their purchasing power by something exceeding 50%. That would be over a 5 to 10 year period. So it doesn't sound like a lot for 4 to 5%, but it compounds across time and it can add up to something substantial in no time flat. Hey, so I got a question that's a little uh, pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, the cryptocurrency types, you know, the people who are uh, pushing Bitcoin, Bitcoin in particular, make the extraordinarily radical claim that it would be better for everyone if the entire business of money was taken out of the hands of government permanently. And that's essentially what Bitcoin allows, at least at the present time. The Conservative Connection. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Conservative Connection. We're going to do a small episode today on money. Now, I know that many people right now are facing some hard times, and I wanted to just tell people a little bit about what I do and a little bit about how our world is changing in fast ways that we could have never imagined. Digital currencies have now become uh, the norm in many places, um, and many different countries are trying to take advantage of it. You have China with the digital yuan, you have America with CBDCs and central bank digital currencies. And I also wanted to get into um, the explanations of Bitcoin and because so many people are now uh, kind of looking at it. And trust me, by the time this gets out and by the time a week or two from now, in October now, the market moves, we're probably going to see a lot more people get into it. It will become something that is more of the norm. But first, I, I, I want to just give a, a little bit of advice because... I know many people who live paycheck to paycheck, and this is a money system that I was taught, that I was taught through a free video on YouTube that actually helped me out. And this is something practical that you can use. So I want to start off with this before we get into digital currencies and before we get into talking about that. But I wanted to just do this money mini-sode, and I just wanted to do it to just explain a few things that I think are vital. And the first thing is budgeting. And so many people I know who are going around, they, they spend everything from their paycheck and they don't divide their money. And the simplest thing that you could do with your money is divide it into a few categories. You know, you could do, and I just wanted to say what I do. So what I do and what I start off, but um, what you can also do is a more simplified version of this is to divide your money into five different categories. Those categories are necessities, investing, a savings account, education, fun, and giving. Now, these are all very essential 
uh, different subjects and categories for finances. And I think that they're all very important. But I, I would like, if, if you do not already have a budget, and you might, but this is just a simple way of having one. I use my phone for everything. You know, everybody walks around, they have their phone constantly with them. And we have it as a calculator constantly. So what I do is I separate these different areas for money management, and that's what it's titled as in my phone. And I'll put my total paycheck at the very top in its full amount. Let's say it's something like $1,000 just for math's sake. And what I'll do is I will take 45 or 50% of that. I'll put it towards necessities. Then I'll take about 10% and I'll put it towards investments. Then I will take another 10%. I'll put it towards education. Then I'll take another 10%, put it towards fun. And then I'll take another 10% giving towards giving to my church, giving to the needy and giving to different donations and charities. And this is something that's so simple. So every single time you do this, you can have the numbers set out in your phone, in your notes. And every single time you make a transaction, just do a little minus. Just, just put minus whatever the number is that you're, you're purchasing or using for purchase. You just take that away. And then when you take that away, you just add up all the math later. Now, mine's a little more complicated than that. Now I use 35% of my paycheck for necessities. I uh, put 10% aside still for late-term savings for spending or an investment account. Um, I put 10% for investing. I put 10% for saving for emergencies or a rainy day. I put 10% towards education. And I put 10% towards play. And I put 10% towards giving. But uh, I actually molded that over time. So it was actually 35% goes towards necessities. 10% is still savings, but I invest 25% of the paycheck. And then I also save 10% for education and I invest 10% for fun and I do 10% for giving. So that, that's just something s simple that you guys can do. Um, now with everything going on, I actually take a lot of the things that I use for saving for education and, and uh, late-term savings for spending and I put them towards investments. But I just wanted to throw that out there as an idea that you guys can do for something simple. It's a simple way of budgeting and it'll get you from paycheck to paycheck and you can actually budget paycheck to paycheck using that kind of a system. But I wanted to get into digital currencies right now because not a lot of people know this, but if you've been following Jerome Powell and Janet Yelling, um, a lot of our financial authorities are kind of crazy. Janet Yellen at this point is trying to say that financial unrealized gains can be considered income in order to tax it before and after you sell it, which is just nuts and which would collapse the entire United States system. But I wanted to get into digital currencies because so many people will tell me, well, why does something like Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana, why do these things have value? And it's interesting to me because I actually went to uh, I actually sort out something with my bank not too long ago to try to get something done. And uh, my banker realized that th this wasn't actually the right avenue for what I was looking for. But we started talking just casually about uh, digital currencies. And he actually, you know, not to brag, but he actually ended up mo for most of the meeting taking notes from me. And I, I understand that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are very controversial subjects. They're not something that everybody's actually made up their mind on. 
But now it's getting to the point where CEOs like JP Morgan and other CEOs are actually promoting it for their wealthy uh, customers. You have people like Kathy Wood and Elon Musk and Tesla and all these different heads of banks and uh, like JP Morgan and you have Jamie Dimon and others offering it for their patrons. So people say like, why do Bitcoin have, why does it have any kind of value? Now, I just want to say that 90% of digital currencies are cryptocurrencies, I believe are going to zero. But for the people that know me, they know that I'm actually a cryptocurrency investor and I know a little bit more than the average person. So if you were to invest in any kind of cryptocurrency, I would say follow the money. You know, you guys are going to have to do your own research. But Bitcoin itself is interesting because it's one of the few market examples in business I think I can ever see or I've ever noticed where the demand increase has absolutely no effect, no effect on the supply. So the demand increase has absolutely no effect on the supply. The supply is completely limited. There's only going to be 21 million of them and there's probably even less. I would guess to say there's about 17 or 18 of them total and many of them have already been bought out which leaves the world fighting for a few and when they were first bought out many people would actually lose them in the digital ether they would try to send it over to somebody and it would get lost and they didn't have the code or they didn't have the codes to access it because their passwords would be lost because many people would say do not store passwords on digital devices because if you do that they can be hacked and then somebody can get all of your codes so i heard this one terrible story of a couple and the man came up to his wife and said, honey, I have uh, bad news and I have good news. And she said, well, what's, uh, what's the good news? He said, the good news is I invested our life savings in Bitcoin and we're worth uh, about $2.5 billion. And, he, and she said, okay, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is that I lost the codes to access them. <laughs> so unfortunately, this couple had absolutely no way to get this. And that's why you kind of have to be responsible with things like digital currencies, because they are, you are able to lose them if you're not responsible. But to get to the main issue, people will say, well, Bitcoin has uh, no value, which isn't true because obviously there's billions of dollars in liquidity right now for Bitcoin. So you can't say it has no value, especially in the present. And they'll say, well, why, why is that the case? Why does it have a have any kind of value. And Bitcoin essentially has value because enough people believe that it has value, enough money has been invested to it, both institutionally and from wealthy elites. And it has certain advantages over traditional investing assets like gold and digital currency. So the reasoning kind of folds in and feeds into itself. But, you know, again, many people will say, well, how can it have how can Bitcoin have any value? It's a digital thing. It has no intrinsic value. And it's it's kind of sad because we've been conditioned by our government to believe that things have intrinsic value like the dollar when they don't. Um, but a lot of people a lot of people will say that the, the intrinsic value kind of state of things. And believe it or not, a lot of things that you would consider value valuable actually do not have intrinsic value. If you take gold, gold is obviously valuable. If you found a huge chunk of gold, you'd obviously be very happy. Or if you dug it up in your backyard and just found five gold bars, you'd be ecstatic. But you have to think about the concept of gold. To quote Warren Buffett, and I saw this in a video as well, but Warren Buffett quoted this. And 
Warren Buffett says, gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace, and then we melt it down, dig another hole, bury it again, and pay people to stand around guarding it. And it has absolutely almost no utility. Now you can use it for jewelry or you can use it for certain electronics, but that doesn't really contribute to why people consider it valuable. Anyone watching from Mars would be uh, completely scratching their head. And again, you have to look at that and you can say gold is scarce, but scarcity only multiplies existing value. So, and then you look at something like diamonds. In 1999, De Beers chairman Nikki Oppenheimer confessed diamonds are intrinsically worthless except for the deep psychological need that they fill, in addition to diamond engagement rings. Fake diamonds actually are indistinguishable without the proper equipment. You wouldn't, not, you wouldn't be able to tell. So what gives it its value? Well, the psychology of getting a real diamond ring. Uh, ladies have now, they will say amongst themselves, you know, oh, he got you a fake diamond. Oh, he's a cheapskate. And that alone pressures somebody to buy a real diamond, even though the other one is indistinguishable except by special equipment. You don't exactly need intrinsic value for something to have value or to be a store of value. Many people will say, well, it's, it's, it's not backed by anything. And fiat that we have in our personal uh, system as the dollar requires taxes that will come. People will come to your house and arrest you for not paying them for paying U.S. dollars in taxes in their own currency. So they quite literally force you to use the U.S. dollar and they'll punish you if you don't. So the U.S. dollar of all the fiat currencies is actually the most valuable fiat currency arguably in the world. So I'm not saying that the fiat currency dollar does not have value, but the U.S. dollar itself, if you were to go on uh, the Fed's website, they'll admit that it's not backed by anything in and of itself but for what it'll buy. What backs the dollar is the goods and services in the economy of the United States that you can get for using the dollar. The argument that there are certain things that are valuable because they're backed by something is not universally applicable. My buddy Rob, who unfortunately had to leave the podcast, he sells cards, you know, he trades cards. And those cards, baseball cards and other cards, have value. My coworker, uh, who had a Pokemon collection, sold it for tens of thousands of dollars. Nobody bats an eye. But the fact is that those items are technically not backed by anything either. Maybe nostalgia, maybe scarcity, maybe just collectors out there. But they're not technically backed. A Pokemon card or a baseball card is not technically backed by anything. But they obviously have value. Enough people trust it. And, uh, and talking about Bitcoin, enough people trust Bitcoin that enough people view it as a store of value, as a safe store of value. And it's obviously proven itself. If you were to find a piece of paper with the codes to 1,000 Bitcoin or 100 Bitcoin or even 20 Bitcoin, you would be obviously excited. So to say that it has no value simply because it's not backed by anything does, does not apply to most other terms in, in business. But also it's providing avenues for people that, you know, most people didn't think were possible. You take the idea of something like stable coins, even getting into the idea of digital currencies. And I can buy a stable coin that's tied to the US dollar. And let's say I don't want Bitcoin. Let's say I want the US dollar. I can park my stable coins in certain areas and I can gain up to 8.8% interest on my dollars in some areas if you find the right ones. 
and areas that are completely legit. I can take that. I can use it through a crypto debit card like money. I can get I can get back rewards in Bitcoin or in USDC if I wanted in the stablecoin tied to the US dollar. And that would be me gaining 8.8% interest versus a bank that can only offer me about 0.4% interest if I locked up my money for eight months. Now, I'm still putting my money in a different place, but a bank is not going to be able to compete with 8.8% interest on the dollar. So we have these banks that are, are getting very nervous about this, which is leading to a lot of crackdowns like places in New York. But Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have proven itself as a very robust store of value, at least in the present. And there are other advantages that you guys would not believe. You can gain something like 6.2% interest if you were to put your Bitcoin on Celsius. You could actually get a loan without, um, in some instances, with a credit history that was average. And in some areas, you can get a loan by using the Bitcoin that you have, the equal amount that you have, with absolutely almost no credit history. So this is opening avenues for people that they didn't see possible. There are certain instances like remittances where you would send some, uh, something back to your country like $100 or $1,000. And so many of the remittance percentage would go into charging fees in order to have people transfer it. And the amazing thing about digital currency with Bitcoin is you don't have to have a bank approve you. You, you don't have to have anybody do anything other than basically verify your identity. And with central bank digital currency, this is what the United States is pushing. And the United States is trying to push the digital dollar to compete with the digital one. So I wanted to play this clip for you guys really quick and play clip one. Today we are in the midst of a technological revolution that is fundamentally changing our world reshaping how we communicate, access information, and purchase goods and services. As the Central Bank of the United States, the Federal Reserve is charged with promoting monetary and financial stability and the safety and efficiency of the payment system. In pursuit of these core functions, we have been carefully monitoring and adapting to the technological innovations now transforming the world of payments, finance, and banking. The effective functioning of our economy requires that people have faith and confidence not only in the dollar, but also in the payment networks, banks, and other payment service providers that allow money to flow on a daily basis. Our focus is on ensuring a safe and efficient payment system that provides broad benefits to American households and businesses while also embracing innovation. In the Fed's early days, the development of dedicated telegraph wires facilitated the transfer of funds between banks. In the 1980s, automated clearinghouse services made it possible for electronic bill payments to be an alternative to paper checks. In 2019, the Federal Reserve committed to building the FedNow service, which will enable banks to provide real-time or instant payments to their customers around the clock, 365 days a year, benefiting communities across America. Recently, the rise of distributed ledger technology, which offers a new approach to recording ownership of assets, has allowed for the creation of a range of new financial products and services, including cryptocurrencies. 
To date, cryptocurrencies have not served as a convenient way to make payments, given, among other factors, their swings in value. Nonetheless, coins tied to the value of the dollar or another currency, known as stable coins, have emerged as a new way to make payments. These stable coins aim to use new technologies in a way that has the potential to enhance payments efficiency, speed up settlement flows, and reduce end user costs. But they may also carry potential risks to those users and to the broader financial system. For example, although the value of a stable coin may be tied to the value of a dollar, these coins may not come with the same protections as traditional means of payment, such as physical currency or the deposits in your bank account. Therefore, as stablecoins use increases, so must our attention to the appropriate regulatory and oversight framework. This includes paying attention to private sector payments innovators who are currently not within the traditional regulatory arrangements applied to banks, investment firms, and other financial intermediaries. Technological advances also offer new possibilities to central banks, including the Fed. In particular, technology now enables the development and issuance of central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. A CBDC is a new type of central bank liability issued in digital form. While various structures and technologies might be used, a CBDC could be designed for use by the general public. For the past several years, the Federal Reserve has been exploring the potential benefits and risks of CBDCs from a variety of angles, including through technological research and experimentation. Our key focus is on whether and how a CBDC could improve on, improve on an already safe, effective, dynamic, and efficient U.S. domestic payment system. We think it is important that any potential CBDC would serve as a complement to, and not a replacement of, cash and current private sector digital forms of the dollar, such as deposits at commercial banks. The design of a CBDC would raise important monetary policy, financial stability, consumer protection, legal and privacy considerations, and will require careful thought and analysis, including input from the public and elected officials. To help stimulate broad conversation, the Federal Reserve Board will issue a discussion paper this summer outlining our current thinking on digital payments with a particular focus on the benefits and risks associated with CBDC in the U.S. context. As part of this process, we will ask for public comment on issues related to payments, financial inclusion, data privacy, and information security. We are committed at the Federal Reserve to hearing a wide range of voices on this important issue before making any decision on whether and how to move forward with a U.S. CBDC, taking account of the broader risks and opportunities it could offer. The paper represents the beginning of what will be a thoughtful and deliberative process. Irrespective of the conclusion we ultimately reach, we expect to play a leading role in developing international standards for CBDCs, engaging actively with central banks and other jurisdictions, as well as regulators and supervisors here in the United States throughout that process. The Federal Reserve remains committed to ensuring that the public has access to a safe, reliable, and secure payment system. Our forthcoming paper on the evolution of digital payments is intended, along with our other work as supervisor, regulator, and payment system operator, to advance the objective of ensuring that the payment system and the economy work for all Americans. We, will, we look forward to hearing your thoughts on this important topic. So that was Jerome Powell, and Jerome Powell is now pushing CBDCs. 
And CBDCs are going to be basically the digital dollar. So what I was trying to say earlier is that so many of the people in the United States believe that you only have value if you can actually see something, if you can actually touch it, if you can reach out and it's something physical. But I believe we've been programmed to think that because that's what our government accepts. The second our government says that you need to exchange everything physical for something digital, then something digital will have more value. I believe the future of money is digital. And I believe the reason why something like Bitcoin is something worth investing in, particularly because people are so early, but also because when the government sets up a system of central bank digital currency, where we have this digital dollar, they might be able to do things that many of us you know, in the libertarian community and the conservative community would find unethical. For example, cop pulls you over, you're going 25 miles per hour with the speed limit, or maybe 10, let's say 10, 10, you're going 10 miles per hour with the speed limit. You try to contest the ticket because it's raining and the, you had a, an obstructed sign. The, the cop holds a ha- up a hand and says that an obstructed sign is not a valid defense. And he scans his fingerprint and your ca- account gets drained of about uh, $900 instantly. Things like that. You get a ticket, you can, they can just drain it instantly. And that will also lead to systems like China, where they have digital currency and they also have a digital credit score where people are actually scored based off their behavior. Things like that, that will become more prominent if we end up having something like a central bank digital currency. It's a very scary thing because it gives the government a lot of power that they otherwise would not have had. Now, many people will say, well, this is why I want to be on a physical money system. And I don't blame you. The problem is that when the government says your physical money system has to be exchanged for a digital or it has no value, then if they give some kind of a deadline, that's going to be extremely hard for you to trade with people. And it's why I believe things like the Monero, like digital currencies that you can't track, will will not attract institutional investors. And a lot of people are afraid that this could lead to things like the mark of the beast. You know, we've also already seen a, a certain system set up for vaccines where you need however many vaccines or they won't let you on an airplane. And now they're saying you need a vaccine passport in order to eat at a restaurant. Uh, if things go to things like grocery stores, it might get even more intense. And NYU right now, and they will not allow you to even pick up your own child in order to take them home from the NICU if you are not vaccinated. And this has led to uh, people having a lot of obvious concerns about the system and there's their valid concerns and their concerns that we need to take into account. But I think that's why having a digital currency system at your disposal that you've already invested in, that the government does not control, maybe they can tax it, but they can't control it, would be better off for you in the future. And this is something that people are going to have to keep in mind. And obviously you have things like Ethereum and Solana that are going to be used to um, build apps off of. They're going to be built in technologies. I believe in the future, you're going to have video game systems that are built off of BlockFi technology. I believe you're going to have apps and phones that are running off of BlockFi technology and different blockchains. But the, the simplest way I can explain this is basically digital is our future. 
But me trying to explain it is like trying to explain to somebody in the 1930s who used cash how to use a cashback credit card. They'd say, what, what is this, a piece of plastic where you can digitally send money through the air and you're going to pay me to use it? That sounds like a scam. And, you know, I don't blame a lot of people for not jumping in. I was the biggest skeptic of this before I got in. But right now, you have to admit that this has already served as a store of value. And it is presently a store of value that you can do certain things with that you cannot that you cannot have the same advantages of when it comes to traditional money. When you look at something like gold, if you look at the actual CPI of gold over the past 10 years, it's lost half of its value. And many people my age are, are not buying gold. I know some of them, not to offend some of my gold bugs out there, but even if you were to buy gold, I would say maybe get some Bitcoin as a hedge against your gold, as a digital form of hedge against your already hedge. You can hedge against your hedges as well. Just because you have gold doesn't mean you, you can't also have Bitcoin. I know many people who have both. Now, not to say that uh, we're going to go into some kind of apocalyptic scenario. That's not why most people buy gold, because obviously gold wouldn't have any value in that. If you were really to go into some kind of apocalyptic scenario, as many people bring up for why Bitcoin has no value, I would encourage you to get bullets instead, because bullets are always going to have value, even if you don't have a firearm. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even be saying this because I'm just going to make the, the situation worse. But uh, ammunition has gone up ex exponentially, so that's always a good investment of value. But I just wanted to take some of this time to actually sit down and talk about this and to just start the conversation going with our listeners, to, to, to get you guys thinking about this and what it's going to serve in the future and how we're going to shape the future, maybe concerns you guys have. But right now, uh, Bitcoin offers a lot of superior advantages over the traditional currency. And the more I look at it and the more I look at institutional adoption of it, it is crazy to see how fast it's actually taken off. When you look at 2012, they would say nobody used it. When they, you look at 2013, they would say only criminals used it. In 2015, only nerds used it. In 2017, only spectators used it. Uh, in 2019, only a small percentage of the world used it. In 2020, only small companies used it. Now in 2021, only small countries use it. Panama is thinking about using it. El Salvador now uses it as a digital currency. And I've actually found out ways where if I wanted, I could get paid in Bitcoin and I know how to pay people in Bitcoin in simple ways. Now, um, we, we got some different exchanges that we're going to get you guys uh, down in the, in the description that you guys could use to try out. And I apologize if this wasn't maybe the most precise way I could present this. I have a ton of notes, a ton of different thoughts. And I know many people who explain Bitcoin seem to sound like they have ADHD because they're jumping from one subject to the next, but it really is going to be the future of payments in the same way that we move to credit cards as digital blockchain for the dollar, where we could send money through credit cards and debit cards. It's going to be like that. Many people in the future in, in a year or two are going to have digital wallets, which will be very interesting. I believe in the next five years, this is something that's going to take off exponentially. There doesn't seem to be any slowing it down. You know, last year in 2020, you could have bought Bitcoin for $4,000 and now it's currently $48,000 after it moved up eight grand um, in just a few days from 40,000 to 48,000. It's very volatile. It's not for the weak hearted. 
I would encourage everybody to do their own research before they consider investing in it. But I believe it's a pristine store of value, whereas the dollar can, can just continually deflates. And regardless of what you think about Bitcoin, I think everybody's realizing that you guys need assets. You need hard assets that you can use. And unfortunately, the U.S. dollar is not an asset. The more you sit on that, the more money you lose. Even people like Peter Schiff have said that the dollar uses about loses about 15% of its value every year, which means if that's the case, if that's true, that every three years, your dollar will lose about half of its value for what it can buy. If you were sitting on 100 grand in three years, it'll probably only be worth about 55 grand. And this will be true too, even with digital currencies. So I know many people will say one Bitcoin will be worth a million dollars, but at the current rate of inflation, a million dollars soon may only be worth about 670,000. So that's also something to take into account. Assets go up in price right now is actually a pretty good time for uh, interest interest rates when it comes to uh, real estate. Although I know real estate prices are very high, but I want you guys to financially prosper. I want you guys to do well and I believe one of the best things you can do when it comes to planning things out is actually to, to pray and to seek guidance with people who have experience over it. But the game has changed so much that you may find that the people who had experience previously might try to get you into things like bonds and they just have no material value at this point. You'd be much better off instead of putting everything under your mattress, trying to put it into the S&P 500, at least then you're probably going to get a significant gain over just holding it. And I want people to do well. I want people to invest. Unfortunately, many people my age do not. Many people will wake up one day, they won't be able to work. And well, they'll be working because of inflation for less and less money. And they'll wake up and realize that they have nothing to retire on. And they'll end up working themselves to the bone. And it's something that I hate to see. But in order to, in order to fulfill the plan of retirement, you have to have a plan. You know, everybody has a dream, but nobody has a plan. And I think it starts with that. But I, I think this has been at least an interesting subject for you guys to dive into. I don't think anybody sincerely believes we're going to be paying off the U.S. debt anytime soon. Anytime stocks start to collapse, we announce another spending bill for $3.5 trillion and we see the stock market go right back up. And unfortunately, that's not going to last forever. I... I would hope that you guys are able to figure out plans for yourselves and that you at least consider looking into this area because it's going to expand rapidly. And it boggles my mind how many people think that the digital sphere is going to expand so rapidly. But when it comes to a digital form of money, they completely brush it aside as a hoax. It's not a hoax. It's coming. And I don't want the government to be in control of it. And as many of you guys know, I think uh, adopting this probably transformed me like Darth Vader <laughs> from Republican to Libertarian the second I started adopting and diving into this sphere. But I do consider myself li more Libertarian, even though I'm more conservative. But uh, my friends often joke with me and be like, oh, he's got Bitcoin. He's a Libertarian now. <laughs> but anyway, guys, this has been a really fun conversation. I hope that you guys all have a great day today and we'll continue to to work and do my best to put out these episodes for you guys. I want to thank you for all of your support and all of you guys who have supported me and wish you a good day. Thank you. 
And as always, stay connected. Corn Pop was a bad dude. The Line Dog is pretty short. The Conservative Connection.